Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Ditch the Rat Race by Pastor Terry Keane. The New Testament reading will be from the book of Hebrews and it's chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and I would like you to, if you have your Bibles or your devices there, to be able to turn to chapter 12 of Hebrews. And uh, so my title today would be Ditch the Rat Race. That's part of it. But run the right race. I don't know whether Steve got the second part. Maybe it's more important to ditch the rat race. However, there was more to it. Ditch the rat race or run the right race. What kind of race do you think the believers run? Just a question. What sort of a race are you running at this point of time? And if there's a race, who's actually setting the parameters? Is it a race that we define and purpose for ourselves? Are we actually trying to work out exactly how that race should be conducted or how it should be run? And I just think that these passages that we have in chapter 12 and the verses draw from that very rich imagery of the foot races of ancient Greece, possibly of Israel, and definitely it would have been in the amphitheatres of Rome. And we have a look at the chapter there in chapter 12 of, uh, of uh, Hebrews. And I'll read it out for you. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. When the athletes were running in possibly the amphitheatres and and, uh, wherever they chose to run, Often they were surrounded by rows and rows and rows of spectators, probably very similar to what we would see at the Olympic Games or at the Commonwealth Games. Some of those stadiums are enormous. And there is these rows and rows. It doesn't have to be the Olympic Games, I suppose, but that's where most of the running is, unless you're watching AFL or football or whatever. It's a little bit different type of running. But there, there were rows and rows of spectators, and as I said here in Roman, in, in sorry, got too many other verses here. In um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 opens with that story about the great cloud of witnesses. And these witnesses, I often used to wonder, who were they? What were they there for? Were they people that have, uh, you know, that were part of, you know, my life and have moved on and They're witnessing my life, as it were, from heaven. No, it never really got to that stage, but I sort of often wondered what it was all about. But what uh, it's not even Paul that probably is the author, but the author of of Hebrews actually says that that 
reference to the cloud of witnesses is actually all written down in Hebrews chapter 11. If you have a look at Hebrews chapter 11, and we don't have time to do it today, but if we have a look at what it says there, it's talking about those who had actually held on to the faith despite the difficulties, despite what was happening around their lives. And it commences with Enoch in chapter 11, verse 5, continuing with Noah and Abraham, etc., etc. And we could read through chapter 11. And there, the author of, of Hebrews is actually establishing the fact that there is this cloud of witnesses who are there surrounding us. Believe it or not, believe it or not, I was an athlete in my younger days <laughs> and I really enjoyed my athletic t- prowess and also I enjoyed the opportunity of being able to run fast. And uh, in my high school days, I was a student at Mergen State High, which is, Mergen is about three hours away from here. Just recently, Lynn and I went back to Mergen in the school holidays because uh, I work as a chaplain for those who aren't aware of it at the state school here in Brisbane and at uh, Alexandra Hills and we went back to Mergen just to have a look again that's where my parents are buried I have my family home that is still there and I have a good rich history but it was good to go back and I actually went past the high school and remembered the oval that I used to run around and I also used to remember the oval that was opposite or diagonally opposite my family home in Mergen. And uh, it was there that I would constantly go over and run around the Oval, training, training, training. And uh, in Mergen, we have some fairly cold weather in the winter. And I would actually break the ice on the, on the grass and uh, as I ran around. Sometimes in the summer, it was so darned hot. But in the wintertime... But it was all part of the discipline. It was all part of what I wanted to achieve. And in 1964, and I have a banner to actually prove it, which I didn't bring today, a bit of a show-off I would have been, but if I bought the banner, it would have said that I was the under-15 champion of athletics. And that meant not just running, but I used to do hurdles and I used to do long jump and, and broad jump and high jump and all the other jumps and run 220 yards it was in those days to to run 100 yards I was a I enjoyed those times and it was just exciting and I believe it that I have a uh, a record that I when I was into at Kingaroy High School for a, the championships I actually ran 100 yards at 10.6 and no one has ever broken that um, that record and I was still amazed that I could even achieve that although 100 metres and 100 yards are a little bit different I think 100 yards is about 91.5 metres actually so it probably but it was something that I enjoyed being able to boast of and I believe that the record is still there And I'm well aware that the race that we're talking about here is actually like a marathon. 
a bit different to my type of running, which was sprint really fast. And um, it had actually got me to, because of my speed and because of my athletic prowess, I was able to get into the state championships, which was in Lang Park in the 1965, I think it was. And, uh, of course, now it's Suncorp Stadium. And uh, there I was able to compete. It was a bit traumatic, a little country boy coming down to the city and uh, going to Lang Park, never been there in my life before. And uh, there I was able to run in the championships. I didn't come first, didn't come second, I didn't come third, but I can say that I came fourth. So that was something that i been able to put onto my well done Terry type of list. Um, so so it, I've done more sprinting than I have done marathons as far as running. I could never do cross country. I would. It was the most traumatic experience to do tr- cross country at school. And um, so, but one thing I would like to share this morning is that I actually realized when I was preparing this sermon that I have been running a marathon. And I'm very, very humbled by the fact that, that what God has done in my life over these years, I have been able to stand firm on what I know him to be and to be convicted in that he is the one that has my life planned and he has my race prepared for me. I've been a Christian now since I was 10. So 63 years have gone by and I thought about it. I think, well, as a, as a Christian, I have had a part to play in that marathon. I've endeavoured to stay on course and to remain faithful to the end. I don't stand here this morning and say how perfect like Mr. Pastor Sean does. Um, no, I'm only joking. But I, I, I haven't done it right. But I have lived probably well and, and very contentedly. And I was never a very wayward type of a person. And so I lived a bit of a different lifestyle. I lived in a country town. And, and then eventually I, I left and started to to prepare my own life and the course that God chose for me, I was never, ever disappointed in. But I do know that those who train for the marathon, and if I watch it at the Olympic, for the Olympic Games or the, or the um, Commonwealth Games or those sorts of marathon races, I am absolutely impressed of the way that they are able to persevere <laughs> And they often show the shots of them while they're running and the, the anguish and the, and the agony that is often on their face, but that continuing purpose of, I'm going to get to the end. I'm going to reach the goal. It has its disciplines. It requires faith, as it were. It requires stamina. It requires commitment. It requires discipline. And what it, most of all, and that I can say, confidently that it, it also requires accurately adhering to the word of truth, the word of God. We are fortunately in a church here where the word of God is never, ever um, to be made shallow or that it is not of God or whatever. This is the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. And I want to say that I'm deeply grateful to Pastor Sean, who actually preaches to us 
constantly after Sunday after Sunday the word of truth and the word of God and that we who are the elders and the pastors have considered that that is the way that we will go as well because that's how we were treading. But to have someone that faithfully declares it to us and more so today because we're not in happy times. It's not good around us. And I don't wish to sort of diminish the, 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 the whole scene, but thank God there is a kingdom that is, that is beyond us that we're yet to reach. And that there is still a struggle. None of us are going to actually be not having a struggle. And so as it says in, in um, I just want to read to Second Timothy, and I'll just move to that quickly. In Second Timothy chapter 2, and it was actually the book of Timothy that convinced me of what I was to do as a, as a young man. Uh, I'd worked in the bank for about five years and I really then felt that I needed to go into Bible college and I wanted to be a missionary. And it was in Timothy that I started to hear the word of God and to read it and to start to apply it to my life so that when I was to start to run that race that God had for me, that I was well prepared for it. But here in verse 15 of chapter 2, it says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed handling accurately the word of truth in verse 16 but it also says that we are to avoid worldly and empty chatter and what does it say that it will do it will lead us to further ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene and Unfortunately for the church then, Hymenius and Philetus were men that had gone astray from the word of God. There's no full indication of what and where they got to or how it all developed for them, but it wasn't very nice to be put in the Bible that you were not working for the, for the Lord, you know, or discerning the truth better. And so the race is set before us, and we did not select the course and some of us might even be sitting here this morning and going, oh my, you know, the course that I've been on has been difficult. You might be saying that it has been a struggle. And you look at others and you might go, well, they've had a fairly easy life. Everything seems to work out well for them. But you don't know, do you, what they are going through as well. Each of us have had our struggles we didn't select the course. God has established it for us. And the race with that we actually run is for Jesus Christ himself. And we endeavour to stay on course and with the course in spite of trials and with tribulation, persecution. Just recently, we've probably been made more aware of what is happening in our nation. And um, I... I the one thing that really struck me the other day was Andrew Thorburn. The day that this, he was a CEO of Essendon Bombers, the AFL team in Melbourne. And uh, he's become a person that has very recently 
as a high-profile person come under attack. He was attacked by the Premier of Victoria, Dan Andrews, who said he didn't have a slightest bit of sympathy for Mr Thorburn. And he had many, many other statements that were quite critical of anything that was godly or of of the church or whatever. But it was interesting that in this play of, of stuff that was happening in our world and in our own nation, the opposition leader of the federal opposition leader wanted him to be reappointed. So everybody wants to weigh in and to have their say. But what struck me was it was interesting that the Church of Jesus Christ was being tested by the church of the Essendon bombers. We often hear, don't we, when they're talking about football matches and grand finals, it's like a religion. And more and more we're beginning to discover that that is the case. And so I saw here that it was like that church of the of Essendon bombers was testing the the values and the and the and the, the, the biblical standards of the Church of Jesus Christ. And on it goes, and it'll never ever probably change very much at all. Because even as Pastor Sean says that, you know, way back when it was that we were starting to get more persecution, why are we surprised? The Bible tells us that that is what we will face, that we will come under attack, that we will come under scrutiny. And sometimes it's good for us to come under scrutiny because then we need to look at the values that we believe in and that we consider to be right and true and honourable. And so this morning I'm encouraging you to really, really not get involved in the rat race and all the hype of what is a rat race, but to start to look at the race that we're supposed to run, to run the right race. If I turn back to Hebrews chapter 12, the the next part, which is after this crowd of witnesses, it says, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Earlier I was talking about my athletic time at school and uh, because I was doing so well in athletics, I used to just wear my school uniform and probably run barefooted or, you know, you'd, you'd do it and you'd, you'd, you'd enjoy it. But now I had been chosen to go down to the state championships at Lang Park. So my grandmother said, you can't wear those shorts. You can't wear those sh- that shirt. There's too much weight in it. And she was right. Too much weight. So she went about and made me a runner's singlet. But she also made me nice white satin shorts. Ooh, yeah. Just drop the imagination, just drop it. Okay. So, but the only reason... <laughs> well, it's better than lycra, what they wear today, isn't it? I'm like, come on. So, um, but I had these white satin shorts. And, and the reason why is because the cotton shorts were heavier. The, the cotton shirt was heavier or they even and, and so on, but those very lightweight satin shorts and then my grandfather and my dad 
went out and bought me a pair of running shoes. Beautiful, sleek running shoes. Never had running shoes in my life before. But they were so proud. They were so amazed at where I was able to go with my athletic prowess. And, and, and so I was able to, to, to front up at Lang Park looking like a champion, you know. And so I had my singlet and my shorts on and not weighty, not weighting me down, but making me freer. And those running shoes, oh, those what quarter of an inch spikes, maybe even longer, were able to set me on my course and to make me run as well. Okay, I had to admit I got fourth, but even so, I performed the best I could. And um, so in our Christian life, we are encouraged to do exactly that. We are to start to discard. The Bible says here that we are to lay aside. It's not just sort of pushing it over. Just throw it over there. I think there's something really to be emphasised in that verse, and it says that we are to lay aside. In other words, it's actually telling us, it's saying to us, you make a definite decision about what you do with this. If you know that it's an entanglement, if you know that it is a weight that is stopping you from actually running your course well, the Bible says to lay it aside. Take it away. Get rid of it. Put it down. Shoot it if you have to. But what I'm saying is that we need to lay that thing aside. And I'm, I'm pushing this out this morning and I'm sensing that some of you today are really understanding what I'm talking about is that I, I, I'm just not running this race as well as I should. It's just not working out for me. And so I would encourage you, not preach at you, but encourage you to say to yourself, okay, I admit that I have this, that this is a weight that I don't need to have and it's holding me back from my understanding the kingdom and the race that is yet before me before I reach that kingdom. What is it that is the sin that is so easily entangling you? And oh my gosh, it will entangle you. It'll take you down. It, you'll, you know, I, I watch my grandson Bailey uh, running. And um, when he's at the, he goes to the school that I'm chaplain at, and he's, he's, he's eight, um, eight. Yes, eight. And, um, and <laughs> anyway, he, he's a fast runner. He actually, interestingly enough, probably takes that little bit after me, and I'm not being prideful there, but. It was just wonderful watching him. With I had snowy hair. I had snowy hair when I was a kid. And um, I used to be proud of it because all these other boys around the place would have to go down to the surf, to, to Wanton and those places, and they would peroxide their hair to make it look like blonde, you know. I had natural blonde hair. It was really cool. But my little grandson has got this blonde hair and it bounces around as he's running. But he's, he's running around and he's talking to the fellow beside him and over here and, and uh, t- there was Benji beside him. Come on, Benji, come and do do it. And I'm thinking, focus, Bailey, focus. You won't, be, you won't get to... Because it's so easy to not be watching and then all of a sudden you've tripped. You've fallen. And unfortunately, we've seen that happen even in Olympic standards and in Commonwealth standards. And uh, I, I, would, I would sit there and I'd go, 
they're not handing the baton right if they were in the relays, you know. Uh, we, we learned it how, oh, there's all sorts of things. I enjoyed running. I really did. I enjoyed hurdles. I enjoyed that stuff. And um, so if there's anything that is threatening the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ today, you really, really need to look at it properly. Talk to God about it. Talk to somebody that has got wisdom or encouragement and to be able to, to get you through. We've been doing in our life group um, uh, the book of Ephesians. And so it was a decision that was made earlier in the year. And so we're now in October and we're still about to finish, we're just about to finish the book of Ephesians. We have gone by verse, by verse, by verse, by verse, by word, by word, by word, almost. Looking at what that author, Paul, who was in Rome and in the prison, was actually trying to say to the Ephesian Christians. It's meant such a lot to us personally, and especially to the group, as we've really looked at what it is that can put us down, that we have to deal with and to be able to put it aside and then to walk, walk on. And in chapter 22 of, um, of no, chapter 22, verse 22, that's a long book then. We're up to chapter 5 actually in our study. But in uh, verse 22 of chapter, yeah, this is actually talking more about a walk and uh, not so much a race, but then um, that's okay. We're, we're looking at what in verse 22 says in chapter 4. It says that in reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self. Again, this is where that word is so significant which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then Paul doesn't leave it there. He says, but put on. Put on those things that are going to be not as weighty. Put on those things that are your new self, which is in the likeness of God. That's better to wear than muck and junk from, from, you know, because of sin, etc., and so there's this beautiful description of what we do. We lay it aside, but what we actually can put on. And so with encouragement of those who have actually gone on before us, we, we read, rid ourselves of thoughts, we rid ourselves of attitudes, of the habits that impede our progress. What is it that's impeding that progress of yours, if there is any impeding? But I'm just saying that what is required of us to do well, this is where it comes to the rubber hits the road. In verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12, it actually says this, that we are to fix our eyes, to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter and the finisher of our faith. For who for the joy, oh, hallelujah, for the joy that was set before him, he, uh, he, dis he endured the cross. He despised the shame, it says, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's where my Jesus is now. He's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. As I was preparing this, I thought of that little song. 
I'm not going to to sing it. (laughs) But turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. And um, that I, I was sitting at my table doing that and I have to admit it, it made me emotional to think that this precious, precious song that Helen Lamel wrote and I didn't realise that there were verses to it. I just thought that that was the chorus. But there's verses to this whole, this, uh, that are t- uh, attached to this little chorus, which we sing often. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Dear church, we really need to persevere in this. We need to remain faithful to what God has called us to do and to where we're going. The days will not get better in the sense that we're going to be under more attack. Our values and our uh, quality as Christians will be eroded at any drop of a hat. But it is so comforting to know that right throughout the nation of Australia, there are people who stand up for the truth. There are people that stand up for that which is right and godly. We must continue to persevere. We cannot decide to lay back. We cannot afford to stumble. I've probably told the story before But I'll tell it again because it seems to fit in with what we're looking at as far as the goal, fixing our eyes upon Jesus. And I've used this illustration on another occasion and that was that there was a father and a son who had gone out one day and they it was a snowy day. It had actually snowed. Matter of fact, we just got a photo from our son who lives in Dunedin in New Zealand. Last Wednesday, it snowed there. And uh, he was so excited because because he'd never seen snow before. <laughs> and uh, so it snowed. He showed photos of it on the balcony and out in the, out in the suburb and driving to work. And I don't know what he did with the phone. I was hoping he wasn't holding it up. But um, he was filming the snowflakes hitting the, the, uh, uh, the, the windscreen. Anyway, that's not what I'm to be talking about, but it's just a bit of a distraction. It just shows you. You know, stay on the course, Terry. You've got to have your focus. However, um, so, <laughs> but this, this man, this father and his son were actually out walking on a snowy day. The snow had fallen and um, enjoying the actual rapture of, of the snow and the beauty of it. And the father said to the son, hey, I've got a bit of a game to play. And uh, the son said, yeah, what? And he says, let's see from this end here who can make the straightest path, the straightest we can make from that end to that end. Little boy thought, this is a cinch, I'll be able to do that. And so he engaged with his dad. And so they made an agreement. They would walk towards the other end and then they would look back and see how and who made the straightest walking through the oval. It was a big oval. 
And so the little boy, he got himself intent in it and he started to do what he thought was the straightest. Kept on walking. Noticed that his father was still doing the same. But the interesting part about it was in the story that it says that they then turned around and looked at what their course was like on the snow and especially on that oval. And when they looked back, the little boy was so, so disappointed in himself because he thought that he had made the straightest path. But it was a little lesson learnt for him because he realised that what he had done is he was so focused on what he could do here. But what his father did is that his father looked up at the goalposts of the oval. That was his goal. And he looked at that goal, and as he was walking towards that goal, he was able to make a fairly straight path. And that serves a story that... It's a story that probably serves as well, actually, in that we can do the same, that we need to be more focused on the goalpost, on that goal. I don't just say Jesus is the goalpost, but it's that goal, that kingdom living, that kingdom life that we're going to live with Jesus. And so we are not done yet because verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 12 says it has a very significant invitation. And that invitation that you have today, it cannot be ignored. It cannot be ignored. Because in the Bible it tells us, and the author encourages us, he says, but consider him. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against his health. He could have gone back to the father and said, boy, they're a tough lot down there. I'm not going to do that again. Well, he didn't have to, of course. This is just a bit of brief, silly little conversation. But it's Jesus sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and he knew that he'd accomplished his course. And therefore, the author of Hebrews says, if that's what he is able to do, surely you can apply yourself to this. You can consider the very one that has done this, even with such hostility that was toward him, that was against him. And why was it? Why did he do that? Why? Why? So that you would not lose heart. You would not grow weary. That's what he's done it for. He's endured all that. And even though life can be tough, it can be harsh, but there's also that great joy in being able to walk that, that, that path of faith and of commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and looking beyond that which we see in our world today because that king, worldly kingdom is nothing pretty. It's not pretty. But the heavenly kingdom is magnificent. If you would look at your Bible and read in the Revelation and all those things, the beauty of this amazing kingdom that we will eventually live in. Jesus did it for you. He did it without any... He didn't have a reason that he shouldn't. His whole reason was that he did want to do it for you.
so that we might not grow weary and lose heart. So we need to, as a church, to step up our spiritual regime of prayer, worship, the word of God, and particularly examining ourselves. And that's the beauty of coming to church on a Sunday morning in particular, that we can take communion, a great time of being able to examine ourselves before God. That's not we should wait till then. We should be doing this on a daily basis. The walk is not just on Sundays. It's not just for here today. But our preparation for church should be during the week. We should be becoming alive and generous and excitable about where we're entering and where we're going. This is the place to be. And here we are able to, with others, celebrate with you and to be able to encourage you. Pastor Sean's comments this morning were, if you've looked at it already, but um, it was about next to him. I want to say, Pastor Sean, that when you asked me to preach, that was the very chapter Nehemiah came to my mind. And I thought, oh, because we're sort of in this place where I was wanting to just say, hey, we're next to each other. We've got a work and a responsibility in our church. We have a commitment. And that which I've even said today, I hope that when you read Pastor Sean's message, uh, Pastor's comments, that you'll be able to sort of tie it in because it does require, and as Pastor Sean said, who's going to be next to him? Who's prepared to be next to him? Well, I was able to say to myself, I'm prepared to be next to him and I'm prepared to be next to you. I hope you want to be prepared to be next to me. We all can be together in this and we have this aim and this goal. We have this purpose in our life. We need to step up and we need to really be um, ready to take on whatever comes our way. And I just want to turn to the book of he, uh, Peter, uh, which is, um, oops, it's after, that's right. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want to read verses 13 to 19. Therefore, gird your minds for action. This is the word of God. Encouraging us to gird our minds for action. You can't be a a sloppy athlete. (laughs) You can't just, I'll just do whatever. No, we gird our minds for action. We're to keep sober in spirit. We're to fix our hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, note the word obedient, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves unto yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, Conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon the earth. And that's a healthy fear we're talking about there. Not not that sort of fear, but a healthy fear that where God is watching me. (laughs) 
don't, you know, you don't want to do it. Um, so conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. But knowing this, folks, knowing this, in verse 18 it says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood. Oh, hallelujah. The precious, precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Do not grow weary, church. Do not lose heart. Ditch the secular. Pursue the godly. Ditch the rat race. Run the right race. I'm offering an opportunity this morning. If anyone would like prayer, if you would like to, or even you just come to the altar, this is an altar here. This is a place. You can even sit in your seat and be comfortable with this same idea. But is it that there's something that you wish to lay aside today? Something that you know that has been a real thorn in your flesh, a bugbear that has just hindered your race. What is it that you might wish to lay aside? What sin would you prefer right today to discard, to confess, to repent of? What is it that stops you and has stopped you from enduring the race? And what have you focused on other than Christ that you know has been an entanglement? Remember, there is nothing that the blood of Christ can't cleanse. And so we open the altar. I'm not begging you to run out or anything like that, but this time is when we just conclude our service. You'll be able to just walk here. You can make that peace with God. You can make that work with God the pastors and the elders of those of us who are here will be able to help. But maybe it could be that it's just between you and God today or you want some encouragement. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.